really separated each of the ways that we're serving clients as well as the way that we're fundraising into individual products. We're obviously well synced together as a team, but I, I really like the way that we've been able to spread out each of those. And though we understand they work together and it's all part of again, that master donor journey, we've treated each of these with the attention and care that they individually need. Hey everyone, it's Noah Barnett, the VP of Marketing here at Feather. And today in the studio, I'm joined by my good friend, Cameron Bartlett. Cameron is the VP of Performance Marketing at Stop Soldier Suicide. He's also the founder of Future Food and just an all around good nonprofit marketer. And so he's the perfect guest to have in the studio. Hey, Cameron. Hey, Noah, I'm always glad when we get a chance to talk. This is great. So you and I know each other well, but could you give uh, our listeners a little bit of the background or kind of the squiggle that got you into doing marketing with so many large, you know, very impactful nonprofits? What was kind of that journey for you? Yeah, thanks, Noah. You know, as a kid, like I always knew I wanted to help people. Uh, I remember I had thought maybe I would uh, become a psychologist or just something that I knew I, my my life helping other people. Like I found so much value and so much um, joy in that. Um, so I started my career actually in a different place in the music industry, which was a lot of fun. I mean, I guess people love music, right? Um, and so that's what brought me out to Nashville originally. Uh, I got to work with like Sony and some other record labels out here. And uh, then I kind of joined the uh, agency space. I've worked with a lot of agencies over the years. Um, but at the time that was like those like fast growing agencies that have like, you've got like 20 clients to yourself and you're just like, they like at a ping pong table there and unlimited snacks, but really those are just to keep you there. So you never want to leave and you work into the night, you know? And I was like, all right, look, one, this is fun. This is exciting. And the things we're doing are working, um, but I just wasn't fulfilled, right? Like I was like, could we take these same strategies that are helping companies grow and these companies make a bunch of money uh, and bring those to nonprofits and help them grow. And so um, I had my first opportunity to do that working with an organization called International Justice Mission or IJM. I was uh, their social media manager and um, just got to test out a lot of these, these same strategies. Also, just some of the most meaningful, impactful campaigns of my life still. I, I think uh, just such a wonderful place to work, so, such amazing people. And uh, the work we were doing, yeah, just really, really, I was able to connect with it. And um, so after after I left there, I kind of took this same, these same strategies that worked at IJM and brought them to Compassion International and World Vision and Cure International, even some uh, fun, innovative organizations like New Story, who are like 3D printing homes and things like that. And so I've been able to be a consultant over the years and come in and join teams and help them build things. I've joined teams when I see uh, an organization that's doing something really uh, really incredible. And um, I've also been in these fractional roles where I get to kind of come in, help people build, hire the right people, uh, set up the right systems, and then train everyone on it so they have a working system. Um, every once in a while, like I mentioned, I'll see, uh, I, I want to be wherever I can make the biggest impact, right? And so sometimes that's being a consultant where I can work with multiple organizations. I'm making impacts in several places. And sometimes uh, I see an opportunity where I'm just like, there is this organization that is making such an impact. They're doing such great work that I just need to jump on that team. Like I need to be a part of that. If there's an opportunity for me there, like I'd love it. So, you know, I saw that at IJM, I saw that at New Story. Um, and I saw that again here with Stop Soldier Suicide, a veteran mental health organization that is just doing some incredible work, um, but also just scaling in a way that is so interesting. And if, I thought if like I could be a part of the trajectory that helps um, 
you know, point this rocket ship like it is in the right direction, um, we could help so many people. They have some big goals. And I know for us to achieve that together, like, and me being a part of that, like, this is where I can make the biggest impact right now. So I'm excited about it. Absolutely. And it's a very important organization. And many, as you mentioned, organizations you've worked with have this innovation kind of lens to it. And I think that's kind of been a mark on your journey as well that I've seen is being a part of innovative nonprofits. I want to get into specifics like we always do here on Unplugged about what marketing looks like at Stop Soldier Suicide. But before we do that, I want to kind of take a step back and get your view on what is good marketing and what has worked well across all of these innovative organizations? Like, what is the fundamental of good marketing that's worked across these organizations that you've been a part of? Yeah, for sure. Um, so a few things come to mind and, and that, you know, we might dig into any of these as the conversation continues. But the first one is to build out uh, a donor journey and invest in each stage. So as opposed to just thinking like, all right, we just need donors um, well, are you working on building retention so that as you get donors, they're staying? Um, if someone, if you engage with somebody, but they're not ready to give, like, are you following up in any way? Right. And so building out those stages that end up looking like, you know, someone becoming aware of your organization, um, them opting in, becoming a lead, giving you their, their email address or their phone number or their address or some way that you can continue to communicate with them. Um, and then actually becoming a donor when they make that decision, um, how are you making it easier for them to say, become a recurring donor? Um, and, and then eventually like, are you investing in with the right stories and content that allow them to feel really connected to your cause and want to do things like help grow your cause for you, help do a peer to peer fundraiser, things like that. Um, and so, so building out those, those strategies, um, one thing that's, that's really helpful as you build out that journey too, is to find ways to skip some steps, right? So for instance, uh, if you have the right fundraising software that upsells people to recurring, the first time they make that donation, there'll be logic and a, and a user interface that makes it really easy for someone to say, you know what, instead of giving you know uh, $20 now, what if I gave like five, $10 a month? We did some tests with different organizations where on the uh, page where someone converts to become a lead, they enter in their email address and we give them some kind of downloadable content or they send up for a, a petition or they, we give them some resources, videos, emails, things like that, right? On that page, we had a match, a donor who was willing to match anyone who gave a donation on the next page. And because it was at the point of conversion, this was a really key time because you know people are going to sign up for that email list and a certain percentage are never going to see us again. A certain percentage aren't going to open every email. like So every ask it gets subsequently less likely that they'll give. But at that point, people are ready to make maybe another decision. And we said, hey, look, if you just gave five, 10, 20 bucks, whatever it was, someone will match it. You'll double your impact. But we started to see people um, giving at that point. And it was so many more people gave because we made the opportunity early than they would if we had waited until they had gone through the whole email series. And it started even upfront recouping some of the costs of those leads. And so wherever you can find ways to skip steps, um, along that journey. And so there are other, obviously other parts that really help accelerate that, but those are things that are really key to helping um, not just invest in one component, but see how everything is connected and focus on not just getting people from A to Z, but moving them from stage to stage and skipping steps where possible. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one thing that I've seen that's interesting is 
It's also acknowledging that you expect people to do the things you're asking them to do and then saying, okay, well then what? <laughs> Often as marketers, <laughs> we focus so much on like, okay, we got to get that donation or that volunteer sign up, or as you said, an email sign up. Mm-hmm. And we're like, okay, we got to put all of our efforts to getting to that point of conversion or connection. And then we like forget that we expect people to do that. And then like, what happens then? Right. And you're even saying yeah. like walking through that and being like, okay, if they sign up for this, now what? And then they do this. Now what? Exactly. Hey, when this happens, now what? And having a plan for the now what moments are going to increase the likelihood that you can maintain that momentum and really deep connection with the organization, which ultimately at the end of the day is what drives donor retention, which drives organization loyalty is connection to the cause and confidence in the organization working on the cause. And that's pretty much it outside of maybe community with others that are like-minded working on the cause. Connection, mm-hmm. confidence, community, that's what it's all about. And you've kind of embedded that in so many of these, uh, are so much of these campaigns you've done with these organizations. Definitely. Yeah, I, I think too, like people, there are so many people who want to support your organization, but it's actually not clear how they should. And if you simply just tell them what would be most valuable and you make that easy for them to understand and easy to do, Um, you might see that a percentage of those people start doing the things that actually propel your organization forward faster just simply because you asked clearly. Absolutely. It's the famous Save the Children founder quote, which is people aren't uh, ungenerous. They're just unimaginative and very busy. And it's our job to like provide guidance as fundraisers, as marketers on like, you're excited about this or you're compelled to action for, you know, veteran mental health here's what you should do. Here's how you should get involved. It's not about convincing them to care. It's about giving them guidance on what to do when they do care. And that's, that's our role and where effective marketing comes into play. Often you describe the work that you do with nonprofits as applying digital marketing like fast-growing companies do to nonprofits. And you kind of imply that there's like a mindset shift in doing that. What does that actually look like? Yeah, definitely. I, I see uh, a few things. One, as we look at the way I, I see a donor journey, like that was heavily influenced by seeing how we created customer journeys for 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 the agency partners that I worked with, right? And so uh, building out each of those stages, looking at things like when you're actually trying to get someone's email email address and then create these email automations that follow up and add journeys that help complement those things. Like those are those are strategies that are are really helpful to look at how um you know, consumer products and online subscriptions and companies that are promoting those things, how they're doing those campaigns, um, how they really intentionally upsell people. And then if people aren't ready to commit, they have other options and ways they can engage and other things they can offer. Um, and so that that's the first step. Um, the other thing is just how uh, intentional fast growing companies are with optimizing everything. I mean, it's the same way that, you know, I remember as uh, we would, test landing pages and we would determine whether the color red or blue is better for the button and more likely for someone to click. And we started to bring that across everything, you know? So one story I share is at IJM, we, we had this type of content we call celebrate that I call celebration content. These are like whenever we'd have a rescue. And when I joined IJM, they were maybe getting like 800 likes and reaching a few thousand people, um, still better than most of the content. But what I started to do is break down every piece of a social media post and determine each creative element and how to optimize each of them. 
and then dig into all the other little details. So like, it'd be as simple as saying like, what's better if we post a photo or a video, right? Um, what's better if we post a long or a short description, but there are so many other questions in there that can be answered. And so I'd have a spreadsheet with just like a million different little data points that were just like, okay, it's not just an image. Is it a tall image, a wide image, a square image? Uh, if it's a video, is it a short 10 second video? Is it a, um, is it a minute long? Is it a reel versus something you post to your feed? You know, different things like that. Um, but then also like how, you know, how many characters is, is optimal for the, the most engaging posts that we have out there? Um, how, uh, what words are we using? What sentiment? What's in the photo? Are there people in the photo? Or is this, is this a, a live photo of an actual rescue? Or is this a representational photo? Or like, there's just so many different questions. Um, are we going to use emojis? How many emojis? Which emojis perform the best? And I'd analyze our, not just our social posts, but also like uh, email subject lines. So at, at IJM there for our content, we'd gone from like 800 to 1,000 likes on a post to in a year, it was like 5,000 likes on a post. And so we had, we had five exit, which was really cool. And then within uh, the second year, we started seeing some posts that would get like 10, 20, 30, even 40,000 in likes, comments, and shares on these posts. And they would reach millions of people, which is really exciting. Um, but you can, like I mentioned, you can do that with your subject lines. You can do that with your landing pages. You can do that with your social content. You can do that with your ads. And before that feels too overwhelming, one, it's exciting for me, so I love talking about all the details, but you can do this really simply by just pulling up your Instagram feed right now and determining of the posts that you're scrolling through, which one's got more likes, which one's got fewer likes, um, and uh, what are the consistencies you're seeing? Is it more when you're you know, posting certain types of content? Is it when you have longer, more in-depth descriptions? Is it when you're tagging other people? Is it when you're telling someone's individual story versus sharing stats? Is it like quotes, whatever that is, you start to kind of be able to piece together some simple components. Similarly, as you go through which emails got the best opens or clicks or revenue generated from them, if you're tracking that, um, and you start to determine, okay, what did people connect with most? What should we replicate again? What should we avoid because it didn't work? You can start to put together some really simple stories about how to optimize and, and form that really great content uh, across all of your channels just by learning what, with what works and what doesn't and continually testing new ideas. Yeah. And how I'd summarize what you just described this mindset is, is it's being very thoughtful about the experience your supporters go through and then being disciplined around experimentation. And so it's about being thoughtful on the experience side and then experimenting and being almost more of that scientist side. So it's how do you create a great experience and then how do you experiment to improve and optimize that? And that's the mindset you're kind of encapsulating in this comment. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the more that you can really experiment and learn from what you've already done and what other people are doing, uh, and then just start to look at all these little details that maybe no one else is paying attention to, you will then get results that no one else is getting because you paid attention to them. Absolutely. Well, you just recently joined as the VP of performance marketing at Stop Soldiers mm -hmm. Suicide. What I would love to know, because our listeners like this, is like for you to give some background, like, one, what does performance marketing do at this mm -hmm. organization? And kind of what's the team? Give us some context for what the marketing efforts look like and what you all are responsible for uh, and kind of how you get that work done. For sure. I'm happy to share. And, and just to give context too, um, I've been grateful to work with 
all kinds of different organizations that I've really loved and cared about. And some of those were some of the bigger organizations. Some of those were really tiny teams of just, just me, or I was at consulted for a, you know, a, you know, marketing team that just had one or two people or, or something like that. And so I've been really grateful to see all the different levels of this. And so as I described, what is a bigger marketing team here at Stop Soldier Suicide? I don't want you to think that these strategies couldn't still work if you are just some small shop nonprofit, because that's also where I've been as well. But this team, I think, is really intentionally set up, really smart. I think one of the really cool things they've done is they've split. We have two VPs of marketing. Uh, uh, Hannah, who I work with on our team, is is wonderful, but she is more focused on brand and uh, and also our client side, bringing in new clients um, that we're serving. Um, but it allows me to focus fully on marketing that relates to fundraising. So I get to help us build our, our mass donor and our recurring donor program, support our mid and our major donors as we bring in new, uh, you know, fill their pipeline with new potential uh, donors there uh, and generate more revenue through our campaigns. And so there's this really unique thing. And it actually is a really great learning about how you give people up, uh, if you can give up people opportunities to support your organization in ways that aren't just donating, it opens up a whole nother world. So that might be something we dig into, but it's actually in part of the way they've set up um, the organization. Most of the growth that Stop Soldier Suicide has seen over the years, again, I'm new, this is week three or four or so, right? Like I'm very new to it. What I've seen has come from Facebook fundraisers, which is something I never thought I'd say about a nonprofit. Like, yep, they've scaled and they've raised, like there have been over a million fundraisers done for Stop Soldier Suicide on Facebook, which is which is just wild to me, right? And that means that there have been millions of people who have donated to us um, in that process. Um, we so we have another team member, Colby, who actually uh, is in charge of that product itself. Those Facebook fundraisers they're actually set up as challenges too. And again, I think there's something to be learned here because people are signing up because one, they care about this cause, but also because we created a fun way for them to engage with this organization by doing, by walking a hundred miles over, you know, over mental health awareness month or doing, uh, you know, 400 pushups or riding their bikes, like you know, all, all kinds of cool stuff, you know? And so people like the way that they can participate and they can spread this cause without even maybe them even giving a dollar themselves. And then they get rewards of like t-shirts and hats and things like that. Um, but what's really interesting is that one, we've, we've really separated each of the ways that we're serving clients as well as the way that we're fundraising into individual products. Um, so those Facebook fundraisers are one, our uh, monthly uh, donor program, the battalion is another, uh, is another strategy, another product, and it's managed in different places. We're obviously well synced together as a team. But I, I really like the way that we've been able to spread out each of those. And though we understand they work together and it's all part of, again, that master donor journey, like um, we've treated each of these with the attention and care that they individually need. And so I can focus on creating content that I know is going to help us fundraise, um, whereas Hannah could focus on uh, building up the resources that we need for our brand and PR and social and things like that. And Colby can work on... Um, really focusing on those Facebook fundraisers, for instance. Um, and so I, I think it's really well set up in how we're all working together. Um, it's an, and I just love the energy of the team and how they are also just so focused on, uh, you know, studying what we've done, seeing where we've seen results, innovating and like optimizing every single possible stage of like conversion rates and, uh, you know, cost per lead and cost per fundraiser and level of engagement 
at each time a fundraiser is set up, what's, what is it more likely that someone will actually then raise funds? Like we're just studying and learning so much um, in a way that I think could only be spread across these multiple teams right now that are, of course, all part of one. So that is something we've seen work powerfully. And I think if you market your offers or your asks as products, it brings in some sustainability and efforts where you can invest that aren't just going to be for the length of the campaign, but it's going to actually have sustaining power year after year or season after season when you invest in things like products. I think it's a brilliant approach. And I love how you all are doing that at Stop uh, Soldier Suicide. Yeah, I think, too, if you there's different audiences, like you mentioned, right? So like if you, for you to really be able to treat whether, again, you're a marketing team of one or or 100, right? Like for you to say, hey, hey look, we need to understand not just we have a, a message and a cause and like some people will give, some people will give monthly, some people will do a Facebook fundraiser, any of those things. And instead, look at them and say, like, are these these are maybe stages for people, but maybe they're also uh, individual products that have slightly different uh, audiences and might require different messaging for how we show people the value of doing each of those things or joining each of those communities, you know, and, and treating them in a sense as products is a helpful way to, to then be like, all right, now who's our audience? What's the, what's the value proposition? All of those same things like a company would. Yeah, absolutely. One of the questions that often come up when we're talking to our community around good marketing is how to measure success and like, how should we as nonprofit marketers be measuring success, but then more importantly, what should we be reporting and elevating up? Because sometimes those are different, like what we're measuring and what we need to be talking about internally to our team, to our bosses, to the board can vary. How do you approach measurement and reporting against your campaigns? Um, and how would you advise people to think about that? Yeah. So I would measure one, everything, right? So like, like I mentioned, we're looking at, at like how many words we're using that, you know, I, I normally would in a social post or an email or landing page, right. Um, as well as like, the colors and the themes and whatever else, right. Like what works best? Is it a plain text email or something that's more templated, all of those things. Um, but I think when it comes to, you want to be able to track um, each of those stages along the journey. How many people are you reaching? Okay. Now how many of those people actually become a lead, right? And what is the rate of, how many people reached and how many people made it to that, either the Facebook form that, you know, or Instagram form that pops up and they fill out or to the actual landing page that actually converted. Right. So is it, is it high? Is it low? Like which pages perform better? Um, you know, and how are you actually converting people? Um, then of those leads, how many of those actually become donors at some point, how long does it take for them to become a donor? Um, what is the lifetime value of someone who becomes a lead through a certain, uh, you know, journey or, um, joins your recurring donor program. And so like measuring all of those, all of those, uh, stages and the conversion rates between each stage, the longevity of, um, of those people in those stages and how long it took for them to get there, your costs up front and your costs in the end. Um, for instance, you shouldn't just look at something like return on ad spend because you might be getting new recurring donors either right from that ad or they may become later that year. And then their lifetime value ends up being three, four, five hundred dollars, even though you spent 40, 50, 100, whatever to get them like they they start to become um, much more valuable over time. So to look at those things as a whole funnel. Now, the, the thing that I would say for what you're what you're sharing um, upward 
is don't just share what's good. Like it's really easy, especially as marketers to be like, all right, well, none of these are very impressive or some of these are kind of bad. And, but these numbers are great. Let's share these numbers. And what I think, what I want to say is like what you are setting yourself up for is to not uh, be as innovative as you could be because you're not presenting uh, the, the risks involved in, in taking risks. So like you're not in, uh, showing what I think is uh, the best way to build a case for you to do something really innovative is not just to like shoot for it and be like, all right, well, Hey, that worked or that didn't work. And like, it's okay. We're, we're risk taking. Like what you want to do to build people's trust and get people on board with it is to paint a picture of this is, this is what we want to do. This is what the benefit could be. These are the risks involved, right? Like it may or may not happen, but if we can get past that legend, if we can get past those things, like, it could be really innovative. One of the things that I, um, I, I've been kind of talking to the team about as I've joined uh, at SSS is um, how do we find some of those impossible things? Things that like everyone's proven it. One, one really good example, and we've actually seen this, is uh, people who give to a Facebook fundraiser or a peer-to-peer or something like that. They're doing it because it was their friend. They're doing it because it was their mom. It was their sibling. Well, something like that, right? They're not actually committed to your nonprofit. So if we, if I say like, all right, so that's an impossible thing. No, but nobody can really get those people to really um, be engaged and feel like this is their story. This is you know part of a cause that they're really connected to. But if we go in with like the 95% risk that nothing happens and we waste time and money, but we get into that somehow we figure out that 5%, that 1% of like, if we did accomplish this, then we would do something that almost no one else could do. And so I think like if if we just walked in and said like, here's what we could get if we accomplish it, but didn't then like paint the picture of the of like what could go wrong and why we probably won't do, be, succeed, then um, it would feel bad when we didn't. But if we just kept pushing through that and trying and saying, all right, well, let's find another way to innovate. Let's try to add in this strategy. Let's test this thing. Then we've built out uh, an understanding that even though we're not putting a ton of resources and time behind it, maybe it's a small percentage of your time. If we solve it, we'll do something that no one else has done. And I want to encourage you to set lay forward like all the risks, all the things that aren't doing well, all the areas that you should focus on and, and lift up and say like, look, we can't accomplish this until we have X resource, until we have this amount of time, until we prioritize this over that and like any of those things. And so sharing a, a story of both what's working well and what's not uh, just opens up a communication around the opportunities and ways that you can innovate to get there. Yeah, I love that. And the idea of you don't only get impact or action out of a campaign, you actually get learning. And so it's not just the dollars or the donors or the volunteers or the emails. There's actually a ton of learning and embedding that in your process is something that we've done and designed into the good marketing framework but I am glad that you reiterated that. The other two metrics that you highlighted that I just want to resurface and elevate again is time between decisions or time between conversions as a measurement. Because if you could shorten them, that could actually improve your results. Whereas it's like once it goes past a certain age, you know, maybe it's 30 days, maybe it's 120 days, whatever your conversion metrics are, that might indicate that like, you've actually lost the opportunity to maintain momentum. But if you could say, how, hey, how could we actually shorten the distance? That optimization could actually prove out that it improves your metrics down funnel. And the third thing you mentioned, uh, in addition to learnings and measuring time between, was 
holistic outcomes, not just channel specific outcomes. So you mentioned return on ad spend. I think the other one I hear often is through like direct mail or email or whatever other channel. And it's like, oh, well, we we did this and it generated this through email. And we did this over here on social and it generated this. And it's like, well, this is a shared population. Like you're running direct mail, email and ads against a segment. How much more or less did that segment give during the last period you did? And what was the optimizations that you had or the additional tactics that you were using? So not looking at channel specific, but looking at a community specific uh, was key uh, and definitely important. Yeah, people might not give through that direct, yeah, that direct mail. They might give through the ad or they might not have given through that ad, but because they saw that they gave through that email. Exactly. It's the whole dilemma where like direct mail for a long time was only measured on the reply device. But then there was a best practice, which is, hey, you have to measure what's called white mail, which is basically like when someone just mails a check in their own envelope back to you and it wouldn't get attributed to the campaign and direct mail. People were like, wait a second, but we mailed these people within the last 30 days and then they mailed in a check like we're going to relate that attribution to the direct mail. Right now, it's actually just a little bit more complicated because you're doing online and offline things. And we have new versions of white mail, which might be they don't respond to your ad or your email or your direct mail. And they actually just Google your brand and click on an ad or your organic search and then give. But the motivation was that they gave because you were targeting them in that period of time and measuring that holistically is extremely important. Yeah, we saw your TikTok video, right? <laughs> yeah, we could dig in this uh, for hours. Um but as we kind of wrap up today, Cameron, you know, you're always at the, you know, I think the innovative edge of what nonprofits are doing as it relates to marketing. What are some of the emerginal, emerging digital marketing trends that you see shaping the future of marketing? Yeah, I, I think I want to return to something that, uh, you know, the, the substitute suicide has done really well, like I mentioned, giving people a way to be involved uh, with your organization without giving is so, is so important. I think when, you know, as a social media manager earlier in my career, that was the question I got the most more than anything else was just like, Oh, I love what you're doing. How can I help without giving? And everyone's always just, just give, like, just give, that'd be great. And though that's true, like, it'd be wonderful if they gave, if you give people a way to feel a part of something, uh, to, to you're, you're welcoming them in, they are a part of your community. They have purpose and they're connected to your cause. You know, you could do that, like I mentioned, through, uh, you know, petitions, through asking them to do like these Facebook challenges, asking people to, uh, you know, we had some really uh, like uh, widespread campaigns over the years that wouldn't have been as successful if we hadn't asked people to go watch and share a video that we put out. We were really intentional about the ask that we made wherever possible. If you can find out how to strongly ask, like be like, hey, we really want you to do this. For something that once someone does it, it just it continues to repeat. Like we did for a, a campaign that had um, uh, where we had needed everyone to tweet at uh, an embassy in DC, and we were like, if we could just get people to do this, well, we embedded in the tweet in, uh, an easy way for people to click a link that brought them to a landing page that explained it, then a click to tweet that then tweeted that same tweet with the link, in it, and it just created this virality that. In uh, in 24 hours, this uh, embassy that probably got five tweets a year had 30,000 tweets in it, right? So just the way that you can find a way to ask people to be involved in a way that spreads itself and creates that momentum uh, will be really key moving forward. Yeah, using the influence that we have as individuals on mobilizing, you know, I always say your supporters are actually your best marketing mm -hmm. strategy. Mm -hmm. 
leaning into that, especially when we start talking about like budgets getting tighter or competition for intention, attention, you know, getting crazy or even costs for paid media. There's a lot of challenges right now in the environment. But if we just go back to the core and say, hey, we have a loyal community of supporters that support this cause and are connected to our organization and believe in it. How do we mobilize them? Mm -hmm. How do we design stories to be shared, you know, and intended to be shared, like you mentioned, or activations where people can just get involved and feel that sense of connection with others in pursuit of movement within the the most effective way. Very, very powerful. Well, Cameron, again, so grateful to have you in the studio. I'm sure we're going to have to have you back and dig in as you continue to lead performance marketing at SSS. So grateful for you giving of your time. If people want to connect with you and just keep up with the insights that you're sharing, what is the best way for our listeners to connect with you and maybe even learn about what SSS is doing? Yeah, for sure. I I love building community on LinkedIn. If you ever want to just reach out to me there, I'm happy to just share advice and, you know, in a, in a DM or, you know, grab a digital coffee sometime. I'm, I'm always a big fan of building community there on LinkedIn. Um, I have great resources on my website at cambartlett.com. Um, you can learn all kinds of stuff about digital marketing and email, emails and ads and SEO and ways to do digital fundraising. Um, and uh, for SSS, you can go to stopsoldiersuicide.org and see some of the work that we're going to be doing this year. You can find our Facebook page and see the, the thousands and thousands of current Facebook fundraisers. And I'm happy to share um, anything I learned along there about how we can help you do the same. Awesome. Thanks, Cameron. Uh, look forward to uh, having you back very soon. Same. Thanks. Thanks.